Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. This week on the podcast, Andy and I are tackling a question from a manager who feels like they have a CSR who might be overstepping their bounds, and it's kind of happening repeatedly. They have been giving advice or getting into medical conversations with clients, and this manager is pretty concerned that it might go off the rails, although it hasn't happened yet. So before it does, they're reaching out for some help. This was so much fun. Let's get into this. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only Stephanie. My name is No Goss. (laughs) That's right. My name is No. My name is No. (laughs) How's it going, Andy? Oh, it's uh, it's good. The spring is here in South Carolina, and that makes me super happy. I've been uh, I spent the weekend spreading mulch uh, in my yard, uh-huh. and I I know that sounds awful, but man, I love it. I love just I love being outside. I love just having a thing that I just do. It's uh, it's one of those things where like the time just flies by because yeah. I'm just kind of working and rake in and doing your around thing. and yeah i listen to music and i listen to you know audio books and stuff and just kind of work outside and yeah it, it was it was pretty wonderful how about you uh it is not i mean it is nope. spring in washington <laughs> um but it is still freezing cold and uh like my bulbs my bulbs are like an inch out of the ground and they're not going to get any bigger anytime soon because it is still too cold. Uh, so, you know, but it's, it, it's good. It is busy right now. It is uh, when we were recording this, we're like a week away from our uh, practice manager summit. And so there's a lot of craziness getting ready for that. And oh, uh, we've got a lot happening in our community right now and working on new content and so yeah. many projects for, <laughs> For those who don't know how Uncharted is blowing up in 2023, we've got our Practice Manager Summit, which is virtual. We have our April in-person conference, which everybody's coming to. You and I are starting a new thing called our Development Path, where we, you and me and Maria Perita, uh, meet with members of the community every two weeks. And we're going through workshops that we've developed over the last couple of years. And every two weeks, uh, people can drop in and we have some pre-work and we have some actual work and then uh, some takeaway stuff. And we're just going to spend from now until into the summer just working with uh, working with the community members on some really key essential stuff. Yes. And so that's, that's kicking off. We've got our handbook helper where you and Ron Sosa – and yep. Maria work on uh, on helping people get their handbooks uh, figure, f- actually done and created. We've got our hallway conversations. We've got our workshops that are soon going to be carrying Race CE with them. Like all this stuff is new uh, this yeah. year. It is bonkers how much stuff we have going on. But man, the future looks bright. I tell you what. Yes, it is very exciting. And also, like I, I was just uh, working with Tyler uh, and uh, she and I were working on some uh, resources for some of the stuff coming up and having the conversation that, um, you know, I I love I love being busy and I love chaos. I uh get bored really fast. And so I like it when we have a lot of things going on. And they're also 
like every so often, it feels cyclical. And it was this way in practice too. Like I would be busy, busy, busy and handling, 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 handling. And then kind of really without knowing it very quickly tips into the, okay, now I'm actually feeling panicked and overwhelmed. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And I think I, I think I hit that point, <laughs> point this morning and I actually sent you a message. I'm like, I am, I am feeling overwhelmed uh, because yeah. I was literally working with Tyler. We're designing some stuff in Canva. I've got her in one earbud and then I have a different set of earbuds in the other ear because in the other ear because I'm listening to uh, a recording of a session that we just did to try and pull information to reply to an email. <laughs> it's just like, okay, this feels uh, this feels like I've hit that that place of overwhelm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's always it's always that balance. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the classic performance, you know, state is you want to be stressed. You don't want to be distressed. Right. And you don't want to be bored. You yes. know? Um, yes. And but but the idea that you're going to get to the right amount of stress to keep you motivated and engaged and not dip above it or below it. Like that's not going to happen. And so yeah. we, we know our business is cyclical. <laughs> the first quarter. Oh, it's of the always year. crazy. It's always bonkers for everybody. Um, I think yeah. in the practice too, because you know when you're when you're in the practice, it w- it would always be like, okay, it's the new year, and for a lot of practices, I know December tends to be really quiet, and even sometimes into January. For my practice, uh, December was always bonkers. Maybe maybe because we uh, we did boarding, and so we had a lot of stuff around the holidays. But um, you know it would be crazy. And then you have dental month and then you head into spring and the fleas start popping. And it just, it's, it's just a crazy time of year. I feel like for everybody and also for anybody who is in vet med and, um, and has their own sport activities or their kids are involved in sport, like the, everything has started happening. And now I'm going, uh, you know, different directions at the same time for <laughs> for the different kid activities. And it's just, it's a busy time of year. <laughs> I, I feel like the world has now opened back up post-COVID. Yeah. It, 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 took, a, it took a long time. I This was the first year, you know, you and I have been going to VMX in Orlando and Western Vet Conference in Vegas pretty much every year. Yep. Even sort of through the pandemic because they're just really big events and they're important in our industry. Um, but this was the first year that I was there and I really thought I'm going to need to go to some more events this year. And, you know, besides these two, and yeah. I haven't done that in a couple of years of being like, yeah, I should, I need to go out and get engaged in some other things that are going on because I can tell the industry is picking back up right. and life is kind of getting to normalize. And yep. then the same thing back at, you know, at, at the home life, uh, you know, we're looking at summer camps and things yes. for our kids <laughs> and you know, it, it's time for them to sort of re-engage and do things. And I, I don't know if you feel this way, but I, I've really been kind of like hold on to some of the perspective I got during the pandemic where I thought, hey, my, my myself, my family have been a bit overscheduled. And there's this really great thing about being less scheduled. And I know that. And at the same time, as everyone around me picks up the pace and picks up the pace, I feel this this vortex pulling me back into life as it was before the pandemic of, you know, I'm not back where I was of every night my family has something going on. Yes. But I can see it from here. And unless we say no to some things, it's going to be that way by the end of this year. And it's um, it's really been a test of what I learned in the pandemic. And I said I wanted um, the default is not 
to stay on the sidelines. The default, at least for me, is to get sucked into the action. And I'm, I am really uh, asking myself some questions about that. Yeah, I, I feel that too. Like I was looking ahead at the calendar and thinking about summer and, and kid organization and like when looking at the calendar, I I think I there is literally two weekends the whole summer that don't have something scheduled and between, you know, camps and travel and family time. And yes, some of it is is family it quality family time and time unplugged. Um and I, it's all stuff that I want to have on the calendar. And at the same time, when I look at it and I look at that, you know, that that 12 week span yes. and there's literally something every weekend except for two, it does it does feel that slippery slope of overwhelm um, in in the sense of like, are we are we going back to being over over scheduled and over committed and feeling like when are we going to just kind of hang out and do the summer thing? You know, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I saw so. this. Um, I saw this this book recently, and I was sort of uh, I was an interview with the author about the book. But the title of the book was something like "In Defense of Hanging Out," and this person just wrote about sort of the you know you you remember when you were younger and your friends would come over, you would spend time with them, and you're Hang not out. actually doing anything. Yeah, you're, you're just bored, bored together, <laughs> and. Yep. And this person was making, you know, they were pointing to the science of loneliness and connection and things. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about how that, that just being there and being bored and not being on your phone, but just yes. watching TV you didn't care about together and mostly talking um, how much that means to us as far as making connections and friendships and feeling yes. like we have a place. And I, I look at my own life and I'm like, man, I don't hang out. You know, and, and just it's antithetical to kind of who I am and and how I've been. But I also recognize that that's there's a downside to that choice, yes. which is, you know, I don't have those friends that are just, you know, that are just around or I don't have friends. I'd be comfortable just walking into their house like I don't have those friends. Right. Um, and and I, I of course, I wish I did. But at the same time, also, I'm not <laughs> willing to make unstructured time in my schedule to not do anything. Yeah. I just I don't know how that fits. And maybe it'll feel differently after after the kids have have grown up and kind of flown the nest. Maybe when I'm empty nester, I'll have hangout time. But I, I just don't I just don't know. But anyway, all that stuff kind of it all kind of feels like it fits together in me and looking at life and looking at being over scheduled versus under scheduled and the benefits and the drawbacks. But it's just been it's been an interesting time as the pace has picked back up and yes. picked hat back up around me of saying, am I engaging in this? If I'm going to engage in it, which I think I am, I'm going to be real intentional about it and just really pushing myself to not say yes to everything that comes my way. Yeah. But, uh, but I'm, I am with you as far as feeling like the pace is picked up and picked up. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I am super excited about this week's, uh, topic of, of conversation. Uh, we have, uh, a practice where there is a CSR who seems to be maybe overstepping their bounds. Uh, they are giving advice or just, kind of wandering generally into medical conversations with clients. And this is a CSR who does not have medical training, is not qualified to have uh, medical discussions. Um, although she has been in the vet field for a few years now, right? So she's gained knowledge. Um, 
both intentionally through training to have sure. some background uh, in the practice, but also kind of unintentionally just as you do on the job mm-hmm. observing veterinary medicine. And so they feel, you know, maybe more qualified than they actually are. And they want to really help the clients. And so clients are asking questions and they're getting themselves steered into conversations where uh, the supervisors in the practice feel like you're uh, not qualified to have these conversations and you might be overstepping your bounds and nothing bad has happened yet. There hasn't been any catastrophe where like a client's gotten wrong advice or anything like that. But, uh, you know, the manager was looking at the situation and going, I feel like this is heading towards potential disaster and I'd love to know how to handle this kind of situation because I want the team to feel empowered. I want them to be able to problem solve for clients. And I don't want untrained team members getting themselves into trouble giving uh, medical advice or uh, medical, you know, information out to clients that they're not qualified to give. And so they're wondering, how do you how do you handle both talking to the CSR about it without making them feel like they don't know how to do their job and also like implementing systems and protocols to support uh, the front desk when they don't have that medical training. Yeah, this is so common. And yeah. it's 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 often the front desk. But yeah. honestly, I see it with, you know, with assistants and even, yeah, or the even kennel. sort of technicians. The kennel, yeah. But even even some of the technicians can 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 waver over sure. that line into diagnosing, oh, yeah. you know, th- things like that. And Absolutely. and and I so I I see it a lot and it's let's go ahead and start in headspace and I I think it's important to step back from this because I have seen people go right they pull their flaming raging sword of justice and say you're not qualified to make these decisions or or give this information that may not be totally factually accurate you know or you're 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 just sort of uh, giving your theories here Instead of, you know, having the doctor look at the pet and actually figure out what's going on. And I've seen people, you know, just really get emotional. There's a righteousness aspect to this. And sure. And I get it. And I do get it because it can be dangerous. There's real risk to the pet and there's real liability for the practice here. So it's not it's not totally benign. At the same time, I really do think it's important to be honest and step back and look with grace on the people who are doing this because here I am every week on this podcast and on the other podcast I do, Kona Shame, talking about leveraging your paraprofessionals, leveraging your support staff, the the technicians taking work off of the doctor plates, and uh, the front desk being the mouthpiece for the practice, and really helping us uh, streamline communication, which is a huge time uh, burden sure. on, on a lot of doctors. And so let's, let's at least look at this and say, okay, I understand how how overstepping here happens and quite honestly i i i would much rather have the conversation to kind of rein some people back in than i would having the conversation of i need you guys to, to do up. something beyond taking a message right and, and passing telling it the along. client that i'm going to call them back yes because that's that's soul crushing to me after yes. a while and it's a burden that I can't bear. So I would much rather rein in someone who's trying to help than I would try to motivate someone who 
doesn't have that inclination at all and just wants to pass the conversation off to somebody else. And so I just, I think that that's good open, a good opening position is to go, all right, there's a spectrum of how much we want or how much we're able to support people and who's able to support people. And it's not help them or don't help them. It is understanding what that spectrum is and where do I engage and then where are the limits where I need to not engage, even if I have clear ideas about what happened. And 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 I want to give grace again to the front desk or the techs here. Like, how many times do you take a message from a pet owner? You know what the doctor is going to say because you've heard him say it a million times. And then you go and you ask the doctor and the doctor says exactly what you thought that they were going to say. Right. <laughs> You know what I mean? And then and then you come back and you You're tell like, them. I could have exactly saved myself that time. How long does it take? Yeah. How long does it take before you say, I know what they're going to say. I'm just going to tell them. And the truth is there's there's subtle differences. And there, you know, that one time you go, I know what they'd say, but you're wrong because this one's a little bit different and you yes. didn't catch the difference. And now we've got a real problem. Yes. And I think there's a real Jedi mind trick there that when it comes to training. So when we get to when we get to action steps, I want to circle back to that because I think there's uh, an easy way that you can train the team on what to say that will help keep them feeling empowered and feeling like they are actually moving it forward, but also creating the space for someone who does have the medical training to double check them. Yeah, I want to shout out this manager that reached out as well. Because I know a lot of people who would know this was going on, but they would not motivate themselves to intervene until there they, it was an actual like, Maybe problem. it'll be okay. Right. Um, right. Or we'll address it when there's a problem. And they wait until something bad happens. And then they have sort of this yes. come to Jesus talk sort of thing. And yes. I, I go, I really, I love the fact that you're seeing this, but before it has blown up and your intention is to actually intervene now and i think that takes some discipline and i am i am super happy with the with the question of before this before something bad that forces us to deal with this comes up i would just like to go ahead and get this back under control so i I like that a lot and before it feels like something punitive right where you're getting in Mm -hmm. trouble for something that you did versus hey I see you doing this thing and there I appreciate you wanting to help the clients and so here's how we wrangle that right like you have the opportunity here for it to be nothing but positive for the CSR or the kennel assistant or the assistant um, in the sense of their growth and development and I think that that is that is huge and that is key. And I, I also love that that they are looking at it proactively um, because I think when you have to have that conversation in the negative, it changes it changes everything for how that conversation is received, how you you know, how you have to impart the training at that point, because then it's just like, well, now I'm just teaching you so that you, we can fix your mistake. And that doesn't feel good to anybody. That that conversation is easier to have. You know, it's it's it writes itself when there's a problem and it is a punitive conversation. You're like, well, how can she argue when I say you did this and it blew up and this is the outcome. Right. And this is why you can't do this anymore. You go, oh, well, that's a much easier conversation than, hey, nothing has happened. Right. So far. Yeah. And I need you to change your behavior. 
yeah without hurting your feelings like that's that's much it takes much more grace to have the second conversation than the first however you know you I don't want something punitive to happen. Right. And it's, you know, there are consequences to something punitive happening, which is uh, probably a pet, you know, having right. a bad experience, which, right. we, which we really don't want. And the other thing is if you do it right, um, you can do this very gracefully and just avoid a lot of pain. I think a lot of people just don't know how to have this conversation. And so they wait until something bad happens and they don't have any choice but to have the conversation right. and they point right to the thing and say, this is what happened and, and we need to make changes. And, and a lot of times that's a horrible conversation for the person who made the mistake because right. they're being held accountable for something bad that, of course, they didn't mean to have happen. Right. I think that's, that's another part of, of the headspace is empathizing with the person at the front desk who's doing this. Everybody wants to grow. You know, right. everybody wants to take on more responsibilities or... Well, a lot of people want to take on more responsibilities. Everybody <laughs> wants to feel like they're growing and developing. Everybody wants to help. Everybody yeah. wants to feel valuable, you right. know, and feel like they are contributing. Um, yeah, they're contributing. And so, you know, when we say, well, why does this happen? And then you look at those, you go, okay, this is generally not coming from a bad, it's, it's not coming from a bad place. It's not right. an arrogant place. Uh, I, it's not, I'm assuming it's not the doctor is a doofus. Let me tell you what you should actually do. That would be a bad place. Right. But it, that's not, that's not what I see, you know? Yeah. No, it's generally coming from a place of good intention of, I want to problem solve. I want to help this, this client, or I want to solve this situ. You know, I want to resolve this situation uh, for someone and it get like to your point it comes from that desire to to help really and so it's easier to slide the the flaming raging sort of justice back into uh yep. you know it's sheath when you think about okay this person really wants to help take care of the clients and as a manager isn't that this the number one like golden quality you want in a csr is someone yes. who wants to help take care of clients for me it is hell yeah so yep. like let's nurture that and it just might need a little bit of wrangling and a little bit of direction you know yes <laughs> yeah i i i come i completely agree with that so it needs some wrangling and some direction and so the next part of sort of headspace before we go in there is we need to figure out what that wrangling and direction really is. Right. Because if you go in and you say, stop saying too much to the clients, the obvious question is, what does that what mean? What is too much? Right. What did do I do wrong? Want me, yeah. Do you want me to not say anything? What, what, is, what do you want from me? Right. Uh, and I think that that very much can lead toward frustration. I have seen uh, paraprofessionals, techs, uh, front desk people put in a bad spot where they get in trouble for overstepping, but they don't know what constitutes overstepping or they'll be given one example Right. And they're like, is that the only time? Right. Or are there other ways? And so well, you get them into this fearful headspace where they don't know what they're allowed to say. And so they either just go, forget this. It's just a job. I'm going to ratchet way back and I'm not going to tell them anything. Right. Or they, they say, I'm going to help them and I'm going to look over my shoulder every time because I'm worried that I'm not supposed to tell them 
you know this this bit of information and and yes. we really we really really want to want to avoid that and so the next the next part of this is is making a plan of how you're going to have the conversation so the first thing is just for you just for you the manager um i i always do this with pen and paper it helps me to write things out but um what are, what are the risks here like what are, what are my what are my concerns right do i have any examples from not from this person but from places i've worked or things i've seen in the past where i say hey here here's a here's a, the type of thing that i've seen right um can we can we talk about the risk to the patients and the, and the liability and a lot of times the liability is easier to talk to because then i don't have to say hey i'm afraid you're going to screw this up right. i can say hey you could do everything right but if it comes from you and not from the doctor even if it's correct yeah. information yeah once it crosses into that medical diagnosis treatment adjusting treatment plans frame we we're opening ourselves up to get really punished yeah. and it may not you may not make a mistake at all and a lot of times that's much easier for people to hear than if you screw this up we're, you know we it could get really bad i would mention uh i would mention you know if if we have a technician or a front desk person who gives inaccurate information and and, and they miss a detail that was important that the doctor would have spotted as you know as different from what the norm is that's that's how we get that's how we get real problems as well and so right. i would start to say what are what are the risks here what are my concerns and i would talk about my concerns from a medical outcome standpoint and then also a customer service perception what do the clients think what's their perception do they think the doctor knows what's going on and then the doctor does not know what's going on right. and they find that out and then last but not least from a, a legal liability standpoint of are we getting exposed here to where we can get we could get in trouble through through no real fault of our own necessarily and sort of frame it that way but that's kind of how I'd start to set that stuff up um, so I know when I go in I can tell them the why and I think the why is important I don't want the why to be hey you're just a front desk person you don't get to tell the pet owners this like right that, that's a terrible <laughs> why. nobody wants and that job nobody wants to hear that and of course none of you hopefully would ever say that but but i have heard things that kind of that's the flaming raging sword of justice yes. response is you're at the front desk you you don't answer questions about medications right you know um well and there there are to to be fair and to leave space like every practice operates differently and there are practices out there that operate very successfully where the front desk does not have anything to do with medical questions mm -hmm. and so sure. there are protocols and workflow that supports the front desk not having any involvement without it coming across as, uh, you know, I'm the receptionist at the law firm, you know, a doctor works office, can you please hold, right? Like that's not, yep. that's not their job. They're still doing an, an exceptional and very important job at the front desk. And there are lots of practices that, that have uh, people at their front desk who are playing a dual role and have training and workflow and processes hopefully in place to support those team members doing doing those things. So it's not to say that you can't have a practice where that is the case because I think there's probably practices listening to this who, who are going, 
well, my CSRs don't do anything with medicine and I don't want them to do anything with medicine. And I, I think it's, it's important to say, like, we're not trying to say it should be one way or the other. And when those things are successful, regardless of how you have it set up, it is because there is the there is the why and everybody understands and everybody's on the same page. And to this manager's questions point, there are policies and protocols and processes from a workflow perspective that support everybody rowing in the same direction. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And uh, I, yes, I completely agree. And in that same vein, you know, the last sort of part of Headspace for me is like, what what is the what is the protocol going to be? Yep. Right. It's it's much more challenging to talk to this one tech uh, technician or one front desk person and say, you're not able to say this thing. Yes. Then it is to say, guys, front desk CSRs, let's come together. Let's talk about about what what medical questions fall into the front desk purview and what needs to go to the technicians and what needs to go to the doctors and how we triage these calls and what information we're willing to give over the phone and what information we're not and then and then just start to lay that down because if if your system is hey Every time the phone rings, you're just going to make a judgment call right. and see if it feels good or it feels yep. not good. Yep, game time good. decision. <laughs> the game t- yeah, exactly right. A game day decision. We answer the phone, see how you feel, feel it out. If you think you might get in trouble, you should send it back. Um, that That's not that's not good. I, <laughs> you should have some type of guidelines for them. And so I think that holding people accountable for what they say without giving them some sort of base guidelines of what is acceptable or what we want in the practice. I don't know that that's really fair. And that does make us stop and we have to have some honest thoughts and conversations about what is appropriate for the front desk to talk about and and what needs to go to our technicians and what needs to go to our doctors. But yes. um, I, I like, we talk about when we get into action steps about how to sort of build those and figure out what they are. I think your point earlier is really good. There's not a right answer to this. It really is. It's your, it's your practice model is a style of medicine that you, that you practice. Right. It's the personnel that you have. Right. If you have a bunch of CSRs and you're really short on techs and doctors, then figuring out how to empower the CSRs. Right. And it may be, you know, there may be a training part of this that gets them up to these places where they can have these conversations um you would run that differently than if you have two csrs and a bunch of techs you know and doctors i go well send those send that stuff to the techs get it off the front desk they're trying to answer phones and check people out like there's no reason for them to be answering medical questions kick that stuff back so it's not there's not a right way to do it other than to look at your liability and say you know, people at the front desk should not be diagnosing, prescribing, you know, recommending treatment plans, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. And I love, I love your point about it, knowing the why and starting, right. And starting there, like, why are, why are we doing this? Because I think that helps each of us address that individuality in our practices. Like, why do we have it set up the way that we have it set up. And if we don't have a strong answer to that why, it may open up opportunities for us to look at it and be like, well, maybe, maybe, you know, what you just said is right, Andy. Maybe when we started doing this, we had, you know, seven CSRs that trans, you know, all rotated through the front desk and now we're down to two. 
and maybe our you know maybe we didn't really have a why or the why that we had is was different then than it is now and it creates that opportunity to def- to define it like why are we doing what we're, what we're doing oh yeah or or maybe we had uh maybe when we were smaller everybody was cross-trained right maybe maybe the, yes. maybe the techs and the assistants yes. moved up and worked the front desk and so when when someone at the front desk answered they also had a significant amount of time in the back and they had medical training that we we don't prioritize now that that, those things change over time yes and I was gonna say I think where I really commonly see this as a as a pain point for practices is when you are small um you know one or even two doctor practices like cross training is a necessity because usually Mm -hmm. you have a smaller team and people are wearing dual hats Mm -hmm. and as we hit and shift into that multi-doctor 10 plus team member then you start to develop more uh, niche roles within the team and that's where we tend to have struggles because to your point you know there was somebody who was cross-trained at the front desk and now we've got some front desk team members that uh, you know don't have that cross-training and now we're realizing that we need to develop these policies and protocols and so it isn't it doesn't always occur as a result of um, someone doing the wrong thing right sometimes it's just about our growth as a practice and it sitting down and thinking it through and I love what you said as a manager to start with a pen and paper and say like yeah what are the risks what are my concerns what am I worried about and then write it down from there and say okay if this is what I'm worried about what information would I want the front desk to give out? And then, um, you know, what is the why here? And then moving it along and saying, hey, practice owner partner or medical director partner or uh, doctor leadership teams, like what this is what I'm thinking about from a non-medical perspective. What do you think? Where, you know, what is your why? And then layering it in so that you have that transparency on both sides to your point where if the doctor looked at it, are they going to view it slightly differently? Because you don't know, none of us know what we don't know, right? Yeah. And if I'm a manager, maybe like in my case, I have medical training. And so there was lots of times where I could anticipate what my doctors were probably going to ask about because I had that training. But when I was working with colleagues who were new managers who didn't have the medicine training, I had to really force myself to think what do they know? What do they not know? Right? Like I can't assume, like I can assume lots when it comes to customer service, but I can't assume anything when it comes to the medicine because things that I would instinctively think to ask, they're not necessarily going to know to ask because they don't have that training and really thinking about that and having somebody else look at that like stream of consciousness kind of writing was really instrumental for me in helping try and figure out what my, what my policies and protocols should be. Yeah. I agree. Let's take a break and then we'll come back and jump into some action steps. Let's fix this problem. That sounds great. Hey friends, I want to make sure that you know about an upcoming workshop that you're not going to want to miss. And I know I say that about a lot of our workshops, but I mean it about this one. Well, I mean it about all of them. Let's be real. But this one holds a special place dear and dear to my heart. Two reasons. One, my friend, Dr. Jen Qualman is leading the workshop. Number two, it's about technology. And if you've listened to the podcast, you know what a techno nerd I am. I am super excited to have Jen with us. Thanks to our friends at Televet. She is going to be talking on May 24th uh, at 8 p.m. Eastern, so 5 p.m. Pacific, about trending technology in the veterinary space. Now, 
I love technology. We've talked about it on the podcast. We've had guests on the podcast. And one of the conversations that has been uh, going around and around in a lot of the groups I'm in lately has been about chat GPT or uh, artificial intelligence AI. And so if you've ever wondered about using AI in your practice, or if you have wondered about wearable technology for pets, uh, communication tools and techniques that use artificial intelligence or advanced technologies, those are the kind of things that Jenna is going to dive into during this workshop. Because most of us have wondered when we've talked about those technologies, if they actually will save us any time or energy, or if they're just a new trend. So Jen is going to dive into some of the things that have come to market, some of the things that are actively being used in veterinary medicine that you might not know about, and ways that we can incorporate technology into the veterinary space in a way that works with us and not against us. So if this sounds like something that you'd love to get in on, head on over to the website at unchartedvet.com forward slash events to find out more. We'll see you there. And now back to the podcast. All right. So, you know, it occurred to me recently, you and I used to talk about safe conversations in basically every episode. Uh-huh. And then I think we did, after 200 episodes, <laughs> we were like, I think everybody's Everybody got knows. it. But yeah, but we continue to gain listeners and gain listeners. And I'm like, all right, we should, we should, we should bring the safe conversation back every now and then, just, okay. just so people remember it. All right. So you, you got to start these exercises with your safe conversation. Okay. So safe S is for smile. Can you sit next to this person and can you smile at them? And if you can't sit next to this front desk person or you can't sit across from them and, and genuinely smile at them, you're probably triggered. And today is probably not the day to, to have this conversation. Yep. Um, if you're triggered, frustrated, upset, you are going to be less effective than if you were not. Um, you might need to put this conversation on the calendar for uh, two days from now so it does not get skipped because right. you will feel better. And that's an easy way to not have the conversation. So put on the calendar, but make sure you can sit next to this person. You can smile at them. All right. A is for assuming good intent or assuming noble intent is, is a, is a way I've been saying it recently. And I just, um, assume that this person is, is doing their best and they're trying to help and they have good intentions. And you and I, I think we laid that down in a headspace when we said, everybody wants to help. Yeah. They're trying to help the pet owners are trying to help the practice. Like they have good intentions. Uh, and, and so let's not get mad at them for being awful. They're not being awful. They're being good. They're just making a mistake or they're behaving in a way that we need to, we need to make some adjustments, but let's, let's assume the best possible intentions on the part of the person we're going to talk to. And F and is wait, wait, for for yep. the A for the A. The other thing too, there's one thing that I would add to that because sometimes, um, and I have been there as a manager where I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, I know they were trying to help the client, but I'm asking myself like, what was their why? What were they thinking? Why were they telling the client what they were telling them? Right? And I can totally hallucinate a place where you're looking at this going. I literally have no idea why they would have told the client what they told them. Like, I, I truly don't understand it. And I think that assuming good intent for having the safe conversation is, can I, can I ask them, tell me what you were thinking, right? Can I smile at them and say, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me where you were going with this. Like, where, where were you going so that you can really, truly try and understand? Because I think that assuming good intent, um, sometimes we can, sometimes we absolutely can be like, they were just trying to help the client. But sometimes I have sat there and been like, 
I literally have no idea why they did what they did. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to assume that good intent because I don't, I have no understanding. And so for me, sometimes I have to replace that with, can I just ask them, tell me, tell me more. Like, what were you, what, where were you going? What happened? Where were you going with this? Um, to be able to get to that place where I'm like, oh, okay, now I understand. And yeah. I really can feel like, oh, you were trying to help the client, even if I would have done it completely differently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. I, I can, I'm glad you said that. So uh, F in safe is failure. Have right. this, has this person been set up to fail? And what here is my fault? And I have those those thoughts of how has this person been set up to fail? Yes. Um, and then what here is my fault? Because the more of this I can take ownership of, the more likely this person is to hear me and hear what I'm saying. Yes. And so if this person is answering these questions, but we have not clearly laid out guidelines for what the front desk should say or what the ex- expectations are about what they send back to the doctors or what they don't, then then that's on me. Yes. Right. This person has been set up to fail because they weren't given guidelines. They were told to help the pet owner without clear guidelines about what our liability concerns are or what the doctors want to have happen. Um, and if I'm the manager, that's my fault. It's my fault for not having a policy in place. Now, I'm not going to beat myself up about it too much. But by me saying I recognize that there's no policy and that's on me, it often helps people to be less defensive because they don't feel like I'm trying to say there's a terrible problem and it's your fault. Right. You're sharing the responsibility. And and I, yeah. And I, I own, I own a chunk of it, but, but we need to, we need to, let's figure out how to fix it. Yes. And so that's F. And the last thing is E is what is the end result and what does the end result look like? And that was going back to why I said I would sit down with a piece of paper and say, what is the end result? Is it, the front desk sends everything back to the text and the text oh elevated. Is <laughs> it, uh, you know, yeah, hopefully not. But is it, is it that there are categories that we agree on where this right. goes to this person and this stays up front and you guys are empowered to, to answer these questions, but not those questions. I mean, I yes. think it's probably about kind of where I would try to go, but what is yes. that end result? And you should know what you want to have happen before you go in there because I have seen people do this conversation and they go in and they're like you can't do that and the, and the front desk says well what am I supposed to do instead and they're like I don't know but not that and <laughs> and then and it goes a, nowhere <laughs> and then it goes nowhere as everyone ends up angry and frustrated but I yes. have I joke but I have seen that and you probably have too yes yes okay so we're gonna start with okay we want to have a safe conversation right totally. and we're in a good headspace and yep. we're ready to we're ready to talk this out. Totally. So roll in and start with the positives. You know, talk about like, everything we talked about, about assuming good intent and giving grace to this person. Do that to them. Don't go in and say, hey, look, we got to talk. There's a problem. You're messing this thing up. Go in and say, hey, I really appreciate all the work that you're doing at the front desk. I understand, you know, you have a lot of knowledge to share and you are, it is wonderful to have someone at the front desk who generally knows how our practice runs and has so much experience and familiarity with our cases. And I, I really, really appreciate that. And that's a real asset that you have and that you bring mm-hmm. and just start by laying down the good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, and the next step for me is I would ask for help. I, I, I like to ask for help. I would say, I, I need your help. When we're looking at how calls are getting handled up at the front desk, we have some liability concerns. And this is this is what they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, we, we get quest- questions that come in and when they're medical questions and they get answered at the front desk, there is a chance that if these things go wrong or if the pet owner is not giving us all the information 
and and let's say that you take the call and and they don't give you all the information but the information you they give you seems pretty straightforward if you tell them what to do and it turns out that because they didn't share information they you know their pet ends up at the emergency clinic they can come after us right. in a big way right because you know someone at the front desk told them they didn't have to do anything and right. now they're at the emergency clinic and like there's real liability there yes and then yes. I would start to ask them and say, I want you to be engaged and go back to my list of the things that I want. I want you to be helpful. I want you to keep taking work off the doctor and the technician's shoulders. I want you to share your knowledge. I want you to feel like you're developing. And I want you to know that you're a big part of this team. And I need to figure out how we can set up some guidelines and a system so that you know what to handle and what to send back so that you're safe and we're safe and the pets are safe, even if the pet owners are not being communicative or they're not giving us all the information yeah and i think for i think for me like the the approach to this conversation you do a workshop about um getting team buy-in and part of what you talk about is getting people on board right especially the people who might be of a different opinion <laughs> than you um and how yep. to how to get those those people on board and so when i think about framing this conversation and i think about this person. Okay, I'm aware of this because I feel like this is a challenge with this person. And at the same time, this person might be able to be my superpower for getting the team as a whole on board and also for unlocking what other challenges might be present because maybe this person is um, trying to help and that's their motivation. And so mm -hmm. they're like storming ahead without all of the information. And also, if I go into this conversation really open an open wide and and ask them like you know t tell me tell me tell me about how you're you know running this like where's yeah. where's your head at how are you approaching it I also could totally see a place where as a manager my first thought is well are they asking their team at the front desk for backup like are they fact checking each other do we have places where communication is potentially breaking down? It open up opens up the door to other potential areas of challenge in the protocol and um, process here. And so now I have the opportunity to take someone who I am concerned about because I feel like they're kind of just charging ahead and giving the clients information. And I know it's coming from a good place, but I also have the potential to rope them into being a helper for me in having the conversation with the front desk as a whole and getting the team's buy-in on, hey guys, let's talk about this from a liability perspective. Are there other things that we can do, easy things, that really are just like a double check? Maybe it doesn't have to be, I'm just going to take a message and pass it on to the technician. Maybe it is, can we, can we say, is there somebody else at the front desk that you could fact check it against before you give the client, like, can you put them on hold for two seconds? Yeah. Say, this is the question. Am I missing anything to your counterpart sitting right next to you? Or maybe it's the front desk can work together as a team and come up with a flow chart for how do we answer some of these common questions? There could be lots of opportunities. And by asking, trying to recruit this person who you have a problem with to that discussion, not from that punitive place of you're doing this thing wrong and this is why we're having the conversation, but from that place of, Tell me how you feel like this is going for the front desk, because I have some liability concerns and I would love to know your thoughts. You are recruiting them as an active 
I want to know what you think kind of person. And that elevates them internally a little bit. Now it's not, I'm in trouble for this thing, but it's, oh, she's asking me for my help. And she wants to know what I think. And that is one of the first keys um, that you teach about unlocking that buy-in feeling with the team, right? You're taking someone who could be a detractor and you're getting them on board and you're getting them excited about solving this problem together. Well, yeah. And so well, thanks for saying that. But but that that is absolutely it. And the reason I shouted out the manager at the beginning of the podcast is because since something, nothing bad has happened, I think you can pull this off pretty, pretty well. Yes. You could even say nothing. Nothing has happened. You know, uh, there's there. We are we are all in the clear as far as I know. But I'm I'm having this concern. And I want to talk to you guys about it. And that yep. just further takes it away from you screwed up. It's like, no, nothing has happened. I'm going to be upfront about that. But mm-hmm. this is a thing where I'm having these concerns. I'm seeing these things. And what do you guys think about it? And one yeah. of the other tools that I really like about this is when you're sitting there with your pen and piece of paper and you're trying to say, what are the guidelines? What are the policies? Coming up with some examples, some cases and saying to yourself, OK, if this if the squinting dog calls what do we do with that? Where does that go? If the Yorkshire Terrier who's been in again and again and again for diarrhea calls, um, what like is it okay for me just to tell them to use, you know, the the Fortiflora that they have at home, or do right. I need to tell them to come in? And and I think coming up with some cases of these types of phone calls that you worry about. And maybe some of them that you don't worry about and come up with a list of some cases and some examples. And that's going to help you figure out where those lines are. Because if you're like, oh, I'm fine with them answering these questions, but not those questions. Well, once you know that, then you can dig in and say, well, what is it about these questions that makes them okay? Right. That makes these other questions not okay. And then the last thing is that when you have that conversation with the front desk, you can say, I've got some examples and I want to kind of run them by you guys and see what you would do with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then give them the examples. This person yes. calls and this is what they say. And this is the information that they give to you. What are you guys feeling about this case? How do you think that something like this should be handled? Yeah. And just That's- do it. And I would do it. I would do it as a small group discussion and low stakes and just say, I just want to kind of hear where you guys are and let them talk. Don't say, what do you guys think? I'll tell you what I think. Right. I think this should get referred to the doctors. <laughs> like, no, see, see where their heads are. And if they Sit say something that you do not... <laughs> If they say something you do not agree with, don't say, I don't agree. Say, tell me, tell me more about that. Tell me, tell me why, tell me why that's your decision. Tell me why you feel that way. Mm -hmm. Because now what I'm looking for is what is the thought process that they're using to make this decision? Because if I say to them, this is the case and they say, well, I would, I would answer it. And I say, no, that's wrong. You'd send it back. Next question. They, they don't understand necessarily. Yeah. They don't understand why. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I think that's great. And the other thing, too, I think is, especially if you are a manager who came from the patient care side of the hospital, there is a whole big, tangly, messy world at the front desk. And if you Mm -hmm. haven't done that job, the best thing that you can do is recruit them to help you understand and have them because I promise you, your list will not be inclusive of all of the variables that clients throw at the front desk all day, every day. (laughs) You know, if you don't have that perspective, if you are a manager who came from the front desk, you might be able to come up with all the scenarios yourself. And you're really going to have to force yourself to do what you said and kind of sit on your hands and bite your tongue and let them talk. And that is a really hard place to be. But like force yourself to do it because the benefits you get from letting 
it come from them are far outweigh you getting to share your idea. And if you're in the middle, I think it's hard because you understand it from both sides. And that that was the hardest for me. I had to like, you know, tell myself sometimes ahead of time, like, okay, there's duct tape on your mouth. Do not try and solve the problem. Like, let them let them do it. But I do think that there's those variables and the insight. And I'm I am. It never ceases to amaze me how even when I sit down even after all this time with all of my experience, when I sit down and try and come up with the 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 variables, how often the team still throws something out there that I'm like, I like I wouldn't have even thought about that. That's that's fantastic, yep. you know. And so I think that there is there is huge value in letting them be a part of figuring it all out from the process to where are those boundaries to where are the areas of concern? Where is things, where are things breaking down? Where are we having trouble? Because they may be the first ones to point out to you, well, there's never a technician available when we need to ask those questions because we only have one and they're in surgery. And so we're not quite sure because what we're doing now isn't working, but interrupting them in surgery isn't working. And so we feel like we can't win. You know, you get those kind of details when you ask them, tell, tell me more. Yeah. No, I, I really like that a lot. I I think uh, you go into this meeting, you do everything that we just sort of talked about, you take notes, you, you know, seek to understand, mm-hmm. and then you say, thanks, guys. I'm going to go think about this. I think we've got really good ideas. I think I understand where you guys are coming from. I'm going to look at this a little bit and try to come up with some guidelines and a policy, and I'll be back and we'll go over them together. And then step away and come up with your policy. Mm-hmm. What is your policy for front desk handling incoming phone calls? Mm-hmm. Um, and try to get some, try to give them some concrete guidelines. It doesn't, they don't have to be perfect. Otherwise, you're going to have a telephone book of a book of rules. Right. If this, then that, yeah. and if this, a flowchart. Like, no, just try to give them some basic guidelines <laughs> and just. And then bring it back to them and say, hey, guys, these are sort of the, the guidelines I came up with. What do you think about them? Do they make sense? And then talk it through. And then the biggest thing is I would set the expectation that this is, we're going to try this. And if it turns out that this is way too conservative and you guys are not being able to answer basic questions and, you know, things are getting to the text that, that they don't need to be handling, we'll make some adjustments. Mm-hmm. And if you guys feel like, hey, I'm getting uh, put in these positions and by the guidelines, I should be handling this myself, but I'm not comfortable doing mm-hmm. that. We'll, we'll make those adjustments. But we're going to start with this. These are our guidelines to get started. So let's commit to doing them and uh, and see how it goes. And we're going to start these, you know, uh, this at the end of this week. And give it to them. And then just start to enforce the policies uh, and and enforce them gently but clearly mm-hmm. and just sort of say, hey, this is what we're looking for. Hey, that's not that's not the policy that we set. Come on, you know, help me out. And um, I would not set the policy and then start enforcing it with lead pipe cruelty. <laughs> I would. But I would enforce it like that's there's right. you can be gentle and consistent yes um and if someone continues to not follow the policies now we're starting to have not a problem about what you're saying to the clients but about the fact that we made this policy we made it together and you're not supporting the policy you're mm-hmm. not following the policy and yeah we're having this this problem about a um a willingness to follow our practice policies and protocols right and then we would have that conversation and that's a bit of a different conversation, then you're not qualified to make these decisions. And so yeah. I think it's an easier conversation. And I think, I think, um, I think in that ground that exists between figuring it out as a team 
and setting up, this is where we're going to start and this is how we're going to approach it. Right. And I, I love how you laid that out um, and looking at how do you guys do your job really well and provide the value. I think that often that is where the F in the safe conversation becomes really clear for you as a manager, because this is your opportunity to help them sink or swim. And a lot of times we struggle with the training and the true training and the true strengthening of those protocols and supporting. And a lot of times we'll like, there, there is a challenge like this. We'll talk about it as a team. And then because the craziness that happens day to day and there's no bad intention here, but things fall through the cracks and we're like, oh, we did some we did some training. We talked about it. We did even did some maybe some role playing on how we would answer these questions when they come in. But it was a one and done. And then we and then we don't have consistency in the follow through and to be able to expect particularly new team members to to actually learn from one and done is really a failure on our part. It's a place where I have failed as a manager repeatedly. And that's honestly kind of why I'm bringing it up. But I think it's really important place for us to look at what are we doing to set them up for success? Because if we don't look at it from that perspective and have a plan that goes beyond this one conversation or this one set of conversations. If we don't have a plan that includes training and consistently consistency, then we are setting them up to fail. I agree. Well, cool. That's, I think that's all I got. You got anything else? No, I think, I think this was a, this was a fun place to end. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks guys. Thanks for tuning in. I hope that was helpful. Take care, everybody. See you guys. And that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you for spending some time out of your week with us. We really enjoy spending our time with you. And before we go, I just want to say a very big bottom of the hearts thank you to some of our industry partners who help make our Uncharted events possible. In specific, we are heading into our April Uncharted conference. Can't wait to be together in Greenville. And we have some very special Anchor Club sponsors that I want to take a quick second to say thank you to. To our friends at Nutrimax, Nationwide, Care Credit, Chewy Health, and Hills Pet Nutrition, thank you so much for being Anchor Club sponsors in 2023 and help making our April conference one of the best. Can't wait to see everybody in Greenville. Take care, everybody. See you next week.